Welcome back to Rough in the Basket. I am back in America after having a long flight. Uh, I want to get into that quickly, but I'm joined mm-hmm. as always with Brandon Carr. Uh, Carr, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad you're back, but you were telling me off the air that you know you were going through some crap, basically trying to get back home. You haven't told me the details yet, but I want the authentic reaction, so I want to hear it right now. What do you got? Dude, I had a crazy day on Tuesday. So I'm flying out from Medellin to Miami, and my flight's supposed to take off at 310. So we get in the airplane. Everything's all ready to go. You know, no problems whatsoever. And then we're like on the runway, and they go, hey, um, there's actually a little problem with our cooling system. Uh, it's probably going to be a matter of paperwork, and we'll be in the air shortly. We didn't move for three hours. I was on the runway for three hours and we were waiting. And then they had uh, they had to move the plane actually back to the, the terminal because they're saying, oh, yeah, they're not letting us fly. So this was after an hour, mind you. So mm-hmm. an hour goes by, still haven't heard anything. And then finally they go, hey, we're, uh, we're actually going to have to ask some people to step off because of the the cooling metric. We, we need uh, to lower the weight and all this stuff. And it was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? And then people were, like, coming into the airplane and, like, searching it and stuff. So that people started getting, like, freaked out because nobody knew what was going on. They didn't explain any of this to us. But, um, yeah, so basically I finally took off three hours after I boarded that flight. And I was late for my uh, my connecting flight to Boston. So I had to spend the night in Miami. So, but, hey, man, I, I spent the night in Miami, uh, you know, when LeBron James broke the record. He used to play for Miami. So there's there's a connection there, I guess. But, there you go. Uh, yeah, connection. The lack of what I had on Tuesday night, a connecting flight. Yeah, but uh, that was uh, – oh, my God, bro. That was that was something. Dude, that's crazy. So, <sighs> yeah. Just in the runway for three hours and then just for them to tell you, like – bringing the plane back to the terminal that's freaking crazy man it was crazy it was absurd um but i did anyway, you do anything just, in miami no i was so tired i had my flight the next day because they moved my flight to the next day the earliest flight they had it which was like 9 a.m so yeah i basically got to the hotel at like 11 p.m uh had like m&ms for supper and then because they gave me a, dude after all that they gave me a 12 dollar voucher they paid for my hotel but they gave me 12 dollars for food and that's like Dude, that can get you like M and M's in Miami and like a drink, but maybe know. maybe McDonald's if it was close enough. But <laughs> maybe, but anyway, crazy man. Jesus, we are, well, we are back and uh, we are finally witnessing you know some history here. Uh, not yep. just for me and my flying history, but in NBA history, we had quite a bit of things happen over the last week. A yeah. lot of trades went down, and we're gonna start with the Kyrie Irving trade. This one happened before the KD trade. Um, this one was, uh, I'm not going to call it super unexpected because I think a lot of people had an idea in their mind that, well, the Mavericks were one of the three, four teams that were probably interested in Kyrie Irving. Look, what happened with the Nets and the implosion of what happened with the Nets, I mean, dude, they were like in second place. They were like 17 games over 500, not even like two and a half weeks ago. And then Kyrie Irving happened. This is like the the story of Kyrie Irving everywhere he goes. It's like, you know something? We're like four days away from the trade deadline. How can I get some time off right now? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll request a trade. That'll work. And I mean, dude, this guy finds ways, creative ways to get time off. I swear. Like if you you need a vacation, like Kyrie Irving, write a book, write a Kyrie method. You know, TB12, he has his method. We'll do the Kyrie Irving method Kyrie to get some Irving. some free vacation time because he's yeah. the master at it. Um, mm-hmm. But dude, Kyrie Irving was the downfall of the Nets in the grand scheme of things, which is like, very ironic how all this was built around Kyrie in the first place. Um, and then he was the reason why they imploded within uh, two years of trading for James Harden. They are now without James Harden, Kyrie Irving, or Kevin Durant. What the hell happened? To the Nets, man. Um, I got well, we'll keep it the focus on this trade to start off. Um, I think I will say for the Mavs, this is a, a decent calculated risk. Uh, but I think they know at this point what you're getting with Kyrie Irving, and you need like literally everything to go perfect to win a championship with him. It is it is possible to win a championship with him. He does have a championship on his resume with LeBron James. And I will say this in terms of current talent to what LeBron James was in 2015, 2016 when they won that ring. Luka Doncic is up there right now. Um, and he is a guy who I think may be able to have 
Kyrie focus in on what he's doing and he may be able to coexist with Kyrie uh, just like LeBron did for the time when he was there until, you know, Kyrie gets bored in about a year and a half and then requests another trade. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe, maybe they could take advantage of this window and get a win. But this was a huge win for the Nets. All they got back for him. I know th- that was your first reaction. So tell me a little bit about how you felt when you saw this trade. Yeah, I remember. So the timeline, Kyrie Irvin requested a trade. I think like it might have been like Monday or something. It was like early, earlier on in the week. And we're like, well, of course, you know, it's just Kyrie Irvin. His head is everywhere. The guy is an enigma. He's unpredictable. And then it kind of moved pretty quickly. I think it was like two days after he got moved to the Dallas Mavericks. I remember telling you, I'm like, watch out for the Mavericks. They've been a team that has been kind of looking to make a splash move. I mean, we, me and you have both said this for a while. Like Luka Doncic needs all the help you can get. And when you have a superstar talent like that, you know, you you have to try to catch you have to try to capitalize on that window and try to win a championship. Now, Kyrie Irving, look, you know, his off the court stuff, you know, it's not the greatest thing. He's very unpredictable. That's not great. But in terms of like a, as a basketball player, this dude is still one of the best offensive players in the game. He's, you know, a scoring machine. He can, you know, he can create his own shot. As we know, he's very crafty. Uh, He can score on all three uh, levels of the court. Like, this is someone who I think is a very, very good player. Now, in terms of like how it's going to fit with him and Luca, that's that's remains to be seen. We're recording this on Friday, so tonight, as we're recording this, I believe Luca is going to be coming back from injury, and Kyrie and him are going to share the court for the first time. So that's going to be interesting. Kyrie has already played, and the uh, Mavericks ended up beating the Clippers. But I don't know. I think you know the Mavericks. There weren't. I mean, I guess you could now say Kevin Durant was available, but, you know, I, I don't think Kevin Durant would have become available if it wasn't for Kyrie requesting a trade. But, you know, I think he was at the time the best option that was out there for this team to try to make a move. Kyrie's going to want a four-year, $198.5 million contract according to Woj. So that's he's going to be a free agent after this season. So, you know, he's looking for the max contract. Do the Mavericks do it? I mean, maybe you kind of have to, but I mean, now you kind of have a few months to see how this works. Um, offensively, it's going to be great. You know, I think him and Luca are just going to be the best offensive backcourt in the NBA. I think offensively, it's going to be super hard to, I think, uh, guard this team. I think Kyrie can play off ball. Luca, I think, kind of needs the ball a little bit more than Kyrie does, but I think Kyrie, I think Luca is crafty enough and I think he's a very good playmaker to where he can find Kyrie Irving on those catch and shoot threes so I think that's a good one and then in terms of the net side of things obviously you get the draft capital which is nice and then you get a player in Dorian Finney-Smith who is a very good uh, two-way wing I think he's a good defender he's a solid uh, three-point shooter Spencer Dinwiddie's a guy who can uh, obviously create his own shot and he's a pretty good playmaker as well and you know I think I think for the Mavericks, like, I think it was – it's hard to tell if they won this deal, but I feel like that they kind of had to make a move. The Nets obviously got a pretty good haul. We'll talk about the KD trade as well and talk about the assets they got from that. But, yeah, man, it's going to be it's gonna be really interesting. I would say the Mavericks defensively obviously took a step down because now you lose one, probably your best defensive player in Dorian Finney-Smith. You have Maxi Kleber coming back at some point from injury, and he's a pretty good defender. But yeah, man, it, it really that Kyrie trade really set a domino effect, I think. And then obviously we'll get into the KD trade, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. It's, it's it'll be very exciting to kind of see how these two coincide. I know Jason Kidd, the coach, wanted this trade to happen, and Mark Cuban made a splash. And you know this was, I think, going to happen at some point that they were going to try to get another star player next to Luka. Yeah, I will say I've heard some disrespect come the Mavericks way from this trade. I think, look, I I think this was the best option the Mavs could realistically pull in. I don't know really yeah. what else they could have done to make a splash. The Nets took advantage of this. I mean, a guy who is uh, clearly very unstable, getting him off your team and getting back, even though it was a 2029 first round pick, getting back some kind of draft capital for the future. Uh, two second rounders and then you know obviously getting back Spencer Dinwiddie who has played for the franchise before 
and was a pretty decent yep. part for what they were doing it for a time being. And uh, he's a very capable player. I mean, over the last 10 games before Spencer Denwitty was traded, he was averaging something like 23, 24 points a game for the Mavs. So he was a big part of what they were doing. Yep. And, uh, you know, to get that off your team, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith getting him off your team for Kyrie Irving, I-, I understand it's risky. But I will say, going back to my point about the Mavs being disrespected, is that I heard people say that KD now has a better chance of making the NBA Finals and winning a final than Ky- Kyrie Irving. I don't know if I agree with that because, hey, who knocked out the Suns last year? The Mavs did. And who they have? You know, Luka. I mean, look, Luka is an X factor, and I really think that even with the Suns getting KD, I, I still think the Mavs are closer to the finals than the Suns, which may Ooh. sound crazy, but I'm just saying. A little bit. Luka, Luka's an X factor come playoff time. All right, so I think I would disagree with you, but I see your point. I think what really helps the Mavericks last season, too, is I think – their role players really stepped up. And I think their defense was their defense was really good last year, too. That was a big factor as to why they were able to get to the Western Conference Finals. They were playing really good defense. I mean, now your defense really has taken a hit. I mean, Kyrie Irving and Luka are kind of liabilities on that end of the floor. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting. I hope we get this matchup in the playoffs. I think if the postseason ended today, we would get it, I'm pretty sure. So... There's a there is a world out there where we might get a uh, Maverick Suns uh, playoff matchup, and that would be really fun to watch. But yeah, yeah, and and now going over the KD trade. So just to read this out officially, the Suns received Kevin Durant and also TJ Warren, which is an underrated piece. I understand nowhere mm-hmm. near Durant, but TJ Warren did average like 18 points per game for this franchise for a, a little while, so he's going back there now. Obviously with Kevin Durant. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Nets received Mikael Bridges, uh, Cameron Johnson, Juan Pablo Vole. I don't know who that is. Uh, a 2023 first round pick, a 2025 first round pick, a 2027 first round pick, 2028 pick swap, uh, a 2028 second round pick, 29 second round pick, and a 29 first round pick also. And the Bucks received Jay Crowder. Uh, and then the Pacers received George Hill. Dude, I feel like George Hill has played for this team like four different times now. Yeah, dude. Uh, Serge Ibaka, Jordan Nor- Norwa, uh, and three. Nwosa. Yes, and three yep. future second round picks and some cash considerations from Brooklyn. Wow, that was a uh, that was a lot. Good job, uh, bro. That was a lot. Yeah, it was. But I got to say, looking over this, I understand there's limited capital in the NBA, and you don't really have the luxury to obviously trade like 10 first round picks consecutively with a team because uh, there's a there's a rule that exists that prohibits that you can do um, you can, you know, trade your pick back to back years, it has to be a pick swap. So I understand that rule and everything. Um, But to be honest with you looking over what the jazz got for Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert, I mean, I think the Jazz honestly got more for him than the Nets did for Kevin Durant, which is incredible, man. And that just shows the power of Danny Ainge. I understand that happened a while ago. We won't go much into that trade, but that this is incredible. Um, I think the Suns getting Kevin Durant and really saying, like, look, we are willing to do whatever it takes to compete right now for the next few years while we have this window. I think this is a ballsy move on their part. But I am scared. I am very scared that this is a move that could backfire because of all the first round picks that they gave up. And I don't I don't know if Kevin Durant like, look, I think he has another three, four years on his contract. So he's going to be there for a while. But what happens in a few years when uh, let's say if Devin Booker hasn't won a ring still and maybe he has some friction with Kevin Durant and he wants to leave? What happens when Chris Paul is going to retire at some point? He's slowing down. I mean, he's still a good ball player, but slowing down a little bit. Uh, what happens when DeAndre Ayton, if he gets injured and you, you're having, you know, $32 million you're paying to a guy that's injured every year, I could see this really blowing up in their face. It's not going to happen this year, and they're going to have, like, a two-year window to win a championship. But after that two years, like, Kevin Durant's going to be, like, 36 years old. I mean, like, uh, Chris Paul's going to be, like, 40. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton, God only knows what's going to happen with him. And Devin, uh, Devin Booker, I mean – He's been there for a while. Maybe he wants to play for a new franchise in a few years when his deal's up. It's just, I don't know. Do you, do you think there's a chance that, like, they – I don't want to say a chance because, of course, there's a chance they're going to win a title. But do you think that they're going to win a title through this trade? I mean, this is – look, the Suns, I think, needed to 
make a move like this too. I think, I mean, they've been linked to Kevin Durant since this off season. They've been one of the top teams in contention for him. Um, so I think eventually, you know, if like, well, it did blow up in Brooklyn, but you know, if it was going to blow up in Brooklyn, he was going to end up with the Suns. It did end up happening. It's hard to tell if I think they're going to win a championship. You would think that right now, though, looking at the Western conference, they would be potentially the favorites to come out. Um, Look, they got to keep DeAndre Ayton, which I was pretty surprised about that they didn't trade him in this deal. Um, you know, you have you have Chris Paul, you have Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. Like in terms of this season, I know he's been injured. That's something that I think is that could bl- kind of blow up in their faces if Kevin Durant doesn't stay healthy. He's been kind of you know a, a little bit iffy on that end, but obviously if he stays healthy, it's a slam dunk because I mean Kevin Durant is still one of the best players in the league. His defense has been also playing really, has been really uh, coming along this season. And, you know, I know you lose Mikel Bridges, who is a very good defensive player. I think he's getting better offensively. He's an emerging star. But I think, you know, Kevin Durant on that side of the floor too, on the defensive side has been really good. And, you know, of course, offensively, Kevin Durant is maybe one of the best offensive players to ever touch a basketball. So he's, he's going to provide that. And, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I think, you know, kind of looking at both ends of it, Brooklyn, I mean, shout out to them, you know, they kind of capitalized on this and, you know, with Kyrie Irving requesting the trade, I think they knew that their championship window was pretty much closed. Um, so, you know, might as well take advantage when you can when you have a guy like Kevin Durant who holds a lot of value right now. Maybe if Kevin Durant got injured again, you know, his value would continue to go down. So they kind of took advantage of it. Now they have a they have eleven first round picks to play with for for the foreseeable future, and they got a player in Mikael Bridges. Like I said, I really like him. I think he's a good player. He's very good defensively. He's getting better on offense. And Cameron Johnson's also a very nice young player as well. So you kind of see the foundation in there with Brooklyn. They have Nick Claxton. They have my boy Cam Thomas, who's been going off. Um, you know, obviously Ben Simmons. He's still there, and he doesn't really hold too much value right now, but. You know, you kind of see the makings of like a pretty solid team there uh, in Brooklyn. And then you obviously have draft picks to kind of play with. But yeah, for the Suns, they they have a championship window now. Now that it's, it's more open with Kevin Durant, there's a be- better chance they could do it. And if everything goes well, I, I think they could win a championship this year if, you know, they can come out of the West. It just depends on Kevin Durant's health. And, you know, I think health is a big thing, but yeah, I think I kind of agree with you, though, where the window, I think, is like two seasons, I think, to get this done. And, you know, they have a very good core group of guys. Their depth, I think, is going to be a question because, you know, come playoff time, you would love that depth. But, I mean, I don't know. It's That's going to be – that's a question. And, obviously, health, I think, is a question. But I, I liked this for both teams overall. Yeah, so – Dude, the way I see it is the Nets are playing NBA 2K simulation in real life. Like, they're going through GM, yeah. and they're just, like, simulating everything and just making some crazy trades. Dude, like, right. they gave away their 2022 picks, 2024 picks, and 2026 picks to the Rockets and the James Harden deal. And I remember we had a conversation with it, and I was like, if they if they win even one title out of this, do you think it's going to be worth it? And you're like, yeah, I mean, I think so because, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an NBA title at the end of the day. But now yeah, they had right. James Harden – Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant couldn't win know, a title man. within that small window that they had. And it's, it ended up being a cautionary trade. And now they, uh, they needed to get all their draft capital back. And I guess what one thing that I will say about the nets is they were able to accomplish that, but this is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my, my life, seeing a team that's in fifth place um, in the Eastern conference that looks to be, you know, making a playoff push, uh, just literally trade away all of their star players and then get back very little in terms of like current players. I mean, look, that's nothing against Mikhail Bridges. I think he's a great defender overall. Yeah. He's a good, steady player. Spencer Dinwiddie is like a 20 point per game guy, five assist guy. Like he's a great player in his own right. But it's just, it's so interesting to see now this team that like a week ago had two uh, star players on it now it doesn't and this happened out of nowhere and I feel you know like I kind of caused this because I sent I sent Brandon a text a while back saying like oh there's no chance they trade Kevin Durant and then look they they trade Kevin Durant so I kind of like reverse jinxed it I guess I agreed with you too I was like 
I was like, they'll they'll do it in the offseason. I think there'll be more traction on it. But, dude, it moves so fast. Like, Kyrie Irving requests a trade. He's gone. And then we're here Friday. It happened, like, within a five-day span of the Brooklyn Nets going from, like, a contender in the Eastern Conference to a rebuilding team. Like, absolutely insane, man. Yeah, so it's weird now, like... (laughs) One team owns all of their picks basically for the next like five years, and now they own yeah. all the all the picks uh, of the Suns for the next like five six years. So I yeah. guess it kind of works out, and they got back their, you know, their money or whatever. But it's yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see what happens now moving forward with the Nets. I think this is one of the most interesting like case studies in NBA history because we've never seen anything like this where a guy where a team that has two superstar players yep. sitting fourth in the East trading away their superstar players and then rebuilding middle of the season it's just it's preposterous shout out to the houston rockets because i think they came out huge winners in this and i feel like nobody's talking about it because they own the a lot of the brooklyn nets like upcoming first round picks and now the nets you know now they don't have Kevin durant or kyrie Irving. their their best player right now might be like mikhail bridges or, or, or nick claxton so that pick might end up becoming really valuable, like those picks coming up. So I just a shout out to them. But yeah, I mean, for the Brooklyn Nets sake of things, man, like Harden, Kyrie and KD played like, I think it was like 20 total games together. And then Kyrie and Kevin Durant played like 70 total games together. I can't think of like another big three who has flopped as hard as that was, man. I think that was like, a total failure. I mean, now, now they got their picks back, you know, they got some picks back and stuff. They got some assets, but what a failure, you know, for those, you know, three. you know who I think is a winner in all of this. And I'm being serious when I say this LeBron James, because now his legacy, I think this changes his legacy completely. I mean, obviously got the points record, but not just that, the fact that everybody said, if you just throw enough talent together, you make a big three out of three of the biggest superstars in the league. Yeah. They're going to win a championship, and that's not always what happens now. And we can see that, that this failed because of egos, and at least LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, when they're together for that time, they said, like, look, we're going to put our egos on the side. We're not going to listen to what the media says, and we're gonna we're just going to play basketball and make it to four straight NBA yeah. finals. And that's what they did. This team couldn't even make one NBA final. Arguably should have won it the year that, obviously, Kevin Durant was wearing a, a shoe size too big, and that prevented them from making it to the NBA yeah. finals. But it's just like, man, it just shows that at the end of the day, yes, it is a superstar driven league. But if you put the wrong egos together, it's not going to it's not going to blend the way that people think it's going to. It, it sometimes yeah. is going to fail at the end of the day. And, at, you know, there was three people, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, three of the biggest egos in the league. You put those three together and it did not work out, apparently. So, yeah, it, it was a disaster, man. Really, it really was. But I mean, at least Brooklyn was able to kind of recoup some assets and you know maybe their future becomes a little bit more brighter definitely and um you know there is another trade i want to talk about for sure and it's uh mm-hmm. another former superstar in his own right uh russell westbrook was traded yeah. uh he was traded to the jazz which i knew the jazz were gonna make a move it was just a matter of what and i did bring up mike conley this was one of the few things that i got right for the trade deadline but uh, I said Mike Conley was probably going to be on his way out and he could yep. find himself in another uniform. That was the case. So Jazz received Russell Westbrook, uh, Juan Toscano, Anderson, good defender from what I've heard, um, Damian Jones, and the 2027 first-round pick of the Lakers. So yep. Lakers did depart with one of their future first-round picks for this, and they got in return D'Angelo Russell, Malik Be- Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, who Malik Beasley, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was spending uh, like 90 days in prison. And he was just balling out all the time. Dude, you said but, that. Yeah. You've said that like two or three times on the podcast. I, I just, so I just funny. Every I don't time. want to even forget about his past mistakes. That's all. Not so that he funny. loves this, but – uh, yeah, but look, it, he has averaged 19 points a game and outside of his prison league in the NBA, so that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, and D'Angelo Russell, I mean, look, he, he's he been a good player uh, for a while now. He's been a great point guard. It's just – or a good point guard, I should say. A great one, no. But it's just like the numbers don't convert for wins uh, to wins for the Timberwolves, at least. It was not the case. 
And now the Timberwolves are getting back. I guess they just wanted more like leadership direction at point guard because numbers wise, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell is definitely a better point guard at this point in time than Mike Conley. But I think with the Timberwolves, they just want like more leadership because, you know, they, they have all these, uh, these draft picks that are basically gone to the Utah jazz for the next several years. And uh, right now they're, I mean, the Timberwolves are underachieving. I understand. I believe they're like two games over 500 and they're starting to make some kind of momentum building up um, push, but it's been very, uh, very lopsided and, and really, really sad for them this year, say the least. I think the Lakers giving up that first round pick and getting back D'Angelo Russell, it looks good. Malik Beasley is a shooter. That looks good. Um, and it definitely fills some of the voids that the Lakers had. And look at this point, you really can't think about the future if you're the Lakers. You're already too deep into the season. You have LeBron for another several years. He's still averaging 30 a game, just became the leading scorer in NBA history. Anthony Davis is there for another several years. You know, the the 55, 60 games that he's going to play in a season for you now, that it is what it is, but that's just what they've chosen to do. Um, and, I mean, you go through this Lakers team, and there's there's some guys who can definitely score, but I guess right now, they're more so just focusing on on trying to make a, some kind of playoff push, which they're kind of backed up into a corner. So they had to depart with one of those picks. But what do you make out of this trade? Honestly, I think the Lakers kind of came out pretty good in this. Um, if I were to like pick a winner out of these three, I would say I would honestly say the Lakers. Now, do I think it's going to result in an NBA championship? Probably not. Um, but I think the Lakers now are starting to kind of develop a rotation like D'Angelo okay all right so Russell Westbrook first of all I he wasn't really that much of a fit with the Lakers I don't think he there were there were some benefits from him obviously he can distribute the ball very well but you know he wasn't really creating his own shot you know and I think that is a problem I think the Lakers really needed that and I think D'Angelo Russell is someone who can create his own shot obviously there's some there's some deficiencies in his game but I think he's a good shot creator. I, th- I think he's averaging like 17 points a game or something this season. So he's, he's been solid. Um, and Malik Beasley is a good shooter as well. And Jared Vander- Vanderbilt can play defense. So honestly, I, I think the Lakers now looking at like their rotation, they kind of have like a decent rotation. I think they got a little bit more deeper and I think they can do more things now with this rotation. They have um, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think on their side of things, like, I think D'Angelo Russell, it, you know, it, it just kind of never really worked out there. I'm not too sure if he's due for a contract, but regardless, they got Mike Conley, who is older than D'Angelo Russell, but he's still, you know, a solid player. Maybe he can help out and be like a veteran in that locker room and kind of help them out with their championship hopes. And, um, you know, for the Utah Jazz, Russell Westbrook's going to get bought out. I mean, I think that goes without question, and he'll probably end up maybe with the Miami heat, maybe the Clippers make a move for him. Like I, he's going to be bought out, I think by Utah and, you know, he's, he's going to be free to go wherever he wants. But I honestly think out of like these three teams, I think the Lakers kind of came out pretty good. Obviously you have to give up a first round pick, but it's, you know, they, I really think they came out solid in this. And now looking at their rotation, I think they really have, a better overall team. And I think they have more depth now, which is good. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think what the Lakers did with their limited draft capital and their resources, it's actually pretty amazing getting D'Angelo Russell, who's 18, 19 points a game. He's shooting 39% from the three. This is the the key element for the Lakers is the three ball because they've struggled with that mightily over the last two seasons. And we Mm -hmm. see historically when you put enough shooters around LeBron James, good things happen. So D'Angelo Russell, number one, now they have a true point guard at number one, and, and he's able to hit 39% of his threes. Uh, Malik Beasley will play shooting guard, presumably. He is a 38% shooter from the three in his career. Yeah. That's huge. They also acquired a few uh, a few weeks ago prior to the trade deadline. They were able to get Rui Hachimura. who yeah, yeah. like He's been a little bit of a disappointment in his NBA career so far. But he's still like he's not necessarily a huge bust. Like he is, he is averaging wow. 13 points a game in his career, a 35 percent three point shooter. So this is all positive and definitely needed. And I, I see them headed in like a, somewhat of a good direction now. Um, but I will say one one key element that they trade away, which I think is going to be uh, a little a little underrated, is uh, the fact that they trade away Thomas Bryant. Like Thomas Bryant 
was putting up points. Um, he was a solid from what I was able to see. He was yeah. a solid three point shooter. Uh, for the most part this year, he was averaging 44% on his threes. Didn't really take that many threes, only 1.2 per game, but he was able to knock them down when they needed it. I think give, giving him away may be uh, a little bit worse than people think because he was averaging 13 points a game. And also you have obviously uh, a guy that plays center power forward in um, obviously their star, Anthony Davis, who can't stay healthy, but they did get Mo Bamba back in a separate trade. So um, yeah. what do you think about the acquisition of, of Mo Bamba and basically giving off uh, Thomas Bryant for him? I think this was one of the funnier trades because I mean, the fact that Dumo Bamba was getting like, there was like quote unquote buzz, you know, about him. I know the Celtics were linked to him. Uh, they were going to Yakapolo, but he ended up going to the Raptors. But um, Mo Bamba got traded for a guy who, you know, Patrick Beverly, he's obviously a veteran guy, um, but he was, they basically traded him and Patrick Beverly is going to get bought out by the Magic. So they almost essentially cut Mo Bamba essentially from uh, the Magic, which is crazy to say. So I don't really know how much value he's going to bring to the Lakers, but I just thought that was funny. And then Patrick Beverly obviously has a podcast. So I'm kind of looking forward to hearing his reaction. He'll get probably bought out, but uh, I just thought that was super funny. And then um, to talk about the Thomas Bryant deal, I think he was on an expiring contract. So I'm not too sure if the Lakers were going to pay him. Um, now it's kind of in the Nuggets' hands. He is, a, I think, a very solid rotational big. When Anthony Davis was out, he did step up and he had some pretty good games on the on the box score. Um, and the Lakers received, you know, we haven't gotten into this yet, but there's been a there was a ton of second round picks that got moved in this in this trade deadline. But they ended up getting three first round picks and Devon Reed, who I think was part of the Nuggets rotation. He did play a little bit, so. I guess that's another rotational piece for the Lakers. But yeah, that, that Mo Bamba deal was so funny, man. I just, I like read it. I'm like, wow. Cause Patrick Beverly was like tweeting, like, like, oh, the games all back together with him and D'Angelo Russell. And, then, <laughs> and then not that long after he gets moved to the magic front of all teams. So I, I just thought that was very, that was hilarious. Yeah, Patrick Beverly, he's he's a clown. He he's a clown at the end of the day. So. Oh my god. Dude, I mean, so if you if you want to hear my thoughts on Patrick Beverly, just listen to any of the NBA podcasts we've done on the in the past. He's uh yeah. <laughs> something, man. He's a character. Oh, I know, dude. You like you've ripped into him before. It's so funny. All right, so another trade did happen, and uh, it was I'm gonna read this one out because I'm still kind of having a hard time uh processing this one. Is this gonna be the oh, best one? The Pistons received James Wiseman. First of all, what the heck are the Pistons doing, dude? What are we doing? Bro, we're probably – there's a chance. There's an there's an off chance that we win the number one pick again and we draft Victor Wembanyama, whatever his name is. We're going to have him maybe. That's that's a possibility. He's a center. Jalen Duran is a center. We have Noel uh, – Nerlens Noel. He's a center. It's like – we have Isaiah Stewart, who's a center. What are we doing? Marvin, Marvin Bagley. These are all guys who can't hit the three that are centers. I don't know what we're doing getting James Wiseman. But, look, if we were trading away, I don't know, like, uh, if we were trading away uh, Bojanovic, for example, right, and we got James Wiseman and, like, a first-round pick, I'd be like, okay, all right, we're, we're doing all right. But, no, that did not happen. That is the only thing that we got back in this trade. So, I'm going to read out the rest of it. So, the Hawks, as a direct result, ended up getting Sadiq Bey, who is one of the Pistons' best shooters, very young talent. I understand why you would trade him away. I kind of get that. I'm not going to be a, a hater on that part. But at, why didn't we get back a first-round pick or or one of the five future second-round picks that were traded to the Blazers? What did the Blazers do? Uh, well, all right, I'll answer that, right? So the, the Blazers did trade away Gary Payton, the second to the Warriors, which – Dude, the Warriors, honestly, from what I'm seeing here, the Warriors won this trade, getting back Gary Payton the second. But why, like, what the heck? Why did he, why did the Blazers <laughs> get five future second round picks for this? Dude, this trade line, I'm telling you, this is like a 2K move where I see these like NBA 2K trades near the trade line. That makes no sense. Like, a guy will already, a team will already have like three centers that can't hit the three, and then they'll acquire another three at the trade line, and then they'll trade away seven second round picks. This is like exactly what two. This is a two K generated trade. The world Dude. is simulation and the Earth is flat. That's all I'm saying. 
No, I'm just I'm just playing with that. I'm a, I'm a certified teacher in Massachusetts. The world is in fact round. Okay, but good. I'm just, I'm just saying, this is crazy, man. I don't get it. I'm having a breakdown over this trade. So how many second round picks were traded in the the totality of this NBA traded line? Because Josh Richardson also got traded from the Spurs to the Pelicans for four second round picks. And there was another trade that involved another five second round picks. How many second round picks got traded here? Dude, first of all, this is absurd. So shout out to this article on Fanside. It was written by Ian Webby. He did some pretty good detective work because... So he found out there was 28 teams that were involved in the trade deadline. The only two teams that weren't involved were the Cavs and the Bulls. 54 players were traded. Eight first-round picks were traded. And 44, 44 second-round picks were moved at the trade deadline. That's insane. 44 second-round picks. Dude, that's that's an average of 1.5 picks per NBA team. That's crazy. you're so right about 2K because like when you're doing like a rebuild on on the on the franchise mode they have, you're like, all right, they won't accept this trade. Let me throw in like a few second round picks to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit. And then they accept it. Like they literally kind of felt like that. It's just absurd, dude. And, you know, the Blazers, shout out to them. They weren't the only team that got multiple fat for second round picks. The freaking Bucks traded five second round picks for Jay Crowder, who hasn't played a single minute this season. It was like Josh Richardson, I think, got traded for like four or five first round picks. Like it was just absurd. But I mean, for this move, for the Pistons sake of things, man, like James Wiseman, of course, was a former second overall pick. There's potential there. He flashed a little bit in his rookie season. Then he got injured and like missed all of last season. He hasn't really found his foot in. The Pistons, like you said, they have Jalen Duran, who they just drafted, seems like the center of the future. They got Isaiah Stewart, who's a big man. You got Marvin Bagley, who's a big man. And I think Nerlens well, he'll probably get bought out, if I were to guess. Like, somebody has to be odd man out. It'll probably be him. But, dude, like, what are you doing? You have four bigs. Like, how are you going to divvy up that rotation and divvy up the minutes here? Like, that made no sense to me. The Hawks, I think, made out pretty well. I think they could have maybe made some more moves at the deadline, but I mean, Sadiq Bay, he has a 50 point game to his resume. He can score um, for the most part. He's a decent three point shooter. He, I think he could play a little bit of defense too. Warriors getting back Gary Payton. He was part of their championship run last season. And then Kevin Knox in the five second round picks of the Blazers. But dude, just there's, there were so many freaking second round picks getting moved. I'm like five second round picks. And then it just kept happening. I mean, second round picks in the NBA, well, it gets hard to hit on those guys. They're, I mean, some guys I can think of off the top of my head. Nikola Jokic was a second round pick, obviously. He was probably the best second round pick ever. Uh, Draymond Green was a second round pick. I think Isaiah Thomas, the one that was on the Celtics, was a second round pick. Uh, Desmond Bain, I think, was a second round pick. Like, there's been some like good second round pick players, but dude, like, it's just to see 44 of them get moved at the deadline is just crazy to me, man. Like you hit it right on the nail, nail on the head, man, with the 2K crap, because I would, I'm guilty of doing that. Sending like three second round picks to make sure they accept it. And then they accept it. It's, it's absolutely insane, man. <laughs> yeah. NBA, like the real NBA took a lesson from the 2K NBA yeah. this time. They, I'm telling you, this GM definitely plays some 2K. I was just like, all right, the three, three second rounders. No, four, no, cool, five. five. I'm good. All right. We got a deal. <laughs> it's like, like insane oh man what what a crazy deadline and i think yeah. um you know there was another one that you wanted to bring up right yeah yakapoto uh to toronto celtics were in on this guy they made instead made a move for mike muscala which by the way i really like that move i think muscala is a as a stretch big he can shoot it kind of helps out to you know maybe not play al horford and robert williams as much just in case if they got injured there's another guy that can kind of help out and Get some minutes. Uh, again, he can shoot. That'll be nice to help the floor spacing a little bit. But, dude, what a, the Toronto Raptors, I think, are losers in that this trade deadline. This was a team, I remember when we were doing the episode on predictions of the trade deadline, I said Toronto have to be sellers, man. They seem like a team that has to sell. They've been super disappointed this season. I think they're like 11th or 12th in the Eastern Conference. They have Fred Van Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, like these guys who are valuable pieces and they can ship those dudes off. 
they I know there I had read a report that they were like pretty much deciding whether or not they were buyers or sellers the day of. I think they went the wrong direction. I think they should have been sellers. I think they should have made some moves and tried to get some assets like the Nets did with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think the Toronto should have done that same thing. Instead now, like, like what are you doing? Like you're trading for a guy in Yaka Poldle. You give up a first round pick. It was I know it's top six protected through 2026, but then you move a couple second round picks, which you're just talking about. Like, I just to me, I it made no sense to me to do that. I also think that Jacopoto is about to be a free agent. So are they even going to like pay him? He's probably going to have probably command like I would say maybe upwards of 20 million a season. To me, it just made zero sense on the on the Toronto Raptors, and I don't understand their direction. If they really think Jacopoto is going to really move the needle and get them into the postseason, I just don't see that. No disrespect to Jacopoto. He's been, I think he's been having a very good season. He had a great season with the Spurs, but what are we doing here? You know, I, I, I just, I don't understand this move by the Raptors at all. They should have been sellers, should have tried to get in some draft picks. Instead, they're trading draft picks for a, a center that it's on an expiring contract and your team is out of the postseason right now. So I just don't understand what they were doing. So what I'll say to defend the Raptors a little bit, I I think this trade wouldn't have been that big of a deal if they were like not trading a first round pick when they are probably going to be like, you know, throwing away their whole roster within the next year or at least trading a lot of those guys who are starting to get out there in age and trying to rebuild. I will say like, I don't, necessarily hate the fact that they didn't trade Pascal Siakam um, or they didn't trade Fred Van Fleet or they didn't trade uh well Scotty Brown uh, Scotty Barnes I think was definitely off the table untouchable the second year untouchable. player yeah but yeah, OG uh and Anobi was another player that there were was talks about or precious uh Achiwua yep. uh or you say his name I think look I don't think it's a bad thing that they didn't trade for those guys but one thing that I don't understand is okay if you are going to hold off on getting what you believe is the value for these these four or five guys I have named, then why would you give up a first round pick that you are probably going to lose next year now? Because the top six protected, like where the Raptors are right now, unless they go full tank mode and trade all these guys at a single, single moment in time, um, you know, you're probably not going to get uh, that you're you're not going to be at the very, very, very bottom. You're probably going to be around like the eighth, ninth worst team in the league and then, then what happens? You lose your first-round pick for who? J- like, Podol? And again, like you said, Podol is a good player. He does his role very well. But it's just, is this really worth – like, what are we doing here giving away first-round picks, man? Just throwing another two second-rounders and you could have had him. Like, let's <laughs> be real. With all I the just, trade logic yeah. that we've seen in this deadline, it's like, why would you do that? I don't know. doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I, they're like 10th in the Eastern Conference right now. But I just – to me, I just don't. I just don't understand the direction that they're going with this team. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe they think they can compete next year or something. Maybe they just think, like, this was a disappointing season. But, you know, it's – I don't know, man. The Eastern Conference is very good. Toronto, they have good players, I understand. But I just feel like they they should have capitalized on the opportunity. I mean, Fred Van Vliet's going to be a free agent. Like, you could have tried trading him and maybe you didn't get the value that you wanted for him because he's an expiring contract. But I mean, I would have, I would have taken what you can get for him instead of losing him for nothing this off season. I just, I just didn't understand that move from the Raptors point of view. You could have at least gotten a first rounder for him. There's no way if somebody is willing to give a future 2029 first round unprotected pick, for Kyrie Irving, there's definitely a team out there that's willing to give a 2024 first round top five protected type pick for Fred Van Fleet at the very minimum. Yeah. At the bare minimum, that's what should have been expected. And they there was definitely teams out there that would have would have done it. So it's like at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know. I guess they're just lost. And I mean, at least they didn't, you know, add a, another center to the mix of a bunch of uh, a, a team that has only centers. So, you know, at least they didn't pull a Pistons move. Um, but still, it was not a good trade move. On right. And another team I want to talk about who I actually think had a good deadline is the Los Angeles Clippers. I think they made some pretty good moves. They got Mason Plumlee from the Hornets, and they only had to give up Reggie Jackson, who's going to get bought out, and a 2028 second-round pick. And Mason Plumlee has been having a, a pretty good season. 
Um, I know they have Vodka Zubak, but I think Mason Plumley. you can make an argument. Maybe he's better. Maybe they're about the same. But I thought that was a really nice move for the Clippers. They also got Eric Gordon. He's back with the with the Clippers. I think he started his career there. And then they also got Bones Highland, who I actually really like as well from the Nuggets. He's – I think there's some upside with him. He could be a pretty good player. Um and they were only really they didn't really give up too much to get him. They only gave up two second round picks to get Bones Highland. And the guy's only 22. So there's still room for him to grow. I just wanted to give a shout out to the Clippers. I thought they really made some good moves. Um, this could be a team that could get Russell Westbrook, like I mentioned earlier, if he gets bought out. But yeah, the, just a shout out to the Clippers. I thought they made some pretty good moves. They're trying to capitalize on the chances they have here in the Western Conference. They kind of filled out their roster with some pretty good depth pieces in Bones Highland and Eric Gordon and Mason Plumlee. So I thought the Clippers actually had a pretty good deadline overall. I also think one other move that was very intriguing to me is the Knicks getting Josh Hart. I mean, Josh Hart isn't like a superstar. You're not going to hear a lot about him. But what he does, he does play a vital vital role for the teams that he has been a part of in the past. And the Knicks did give up a future first rounder. I'm not sure how protected it, it is, if anything, but um, I I think this was a necessary risk, and this was a very calculated risk with the first rounder. Getting back uh, Josh Hart uh, could be huge for them in the future, especially when yeah. like the Knicks have been playing pretty well this season, and they've done really well. To be honest, I think um, Tip, Tom Thibodeau deserves a lot of credit because this team was written off completely after last year and after the disappointment they had. Uh, they bring in Jalen Brunson, and I mean, it's just made a world of, of difference there with the Knicks averaging like yeah. 22 points, six, six assists. Uh, and then Julius Randle, he's been able to recover. So now bringing in the the former college teammate of one of your star players uh, and Jalen Brunson, I think that is a very good team chemistry move. And I think this was a calculated risk with the first round pick there may have been more avenues they could have explored with that pick, but I think overall the Knicks adding something and showing like, you know, we've been on the bottom for a while and now we finally have uh, a star player and we have also, you know, guys that can come in and really make an impact on things. And now we're adding one more guy that can do that. Um, I think this was a very good and, and calculated move for the Knicks. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for the Toronto, I mean, for the Portland trailblazers too, like I know they're a team that's kind of, teetering on that play in uh, spot right now. I think they're 10th in the West. Uh, obviously you're competing with the jazz thunder Lakers. Like, I mean, the West is obviously very stacked, but for like that last play in spot, they have it right now. Maybe they don't see a, a window for them to win a championship. They're trying to get more assets, which I respect by the way. I think that's what you should try to do. If you're in a spot like that, Josh Hart, He'll he'll be a decent fit for the Knicks. Um, I don't think it's the greatest fit, but I think he's a solid player, like you mentioned. Um, he's a good rebounding guard, um, and he's someone that, you know, he's a good piece on those championship type of teams. I mean, the Knicks have a, a very good team this season. They're seventh in the Eastern Conference. Julius Randle had a kind of a off season last year. I think he's now kind of back to what he was two years ago, which is nice and. Jalen Brunson has been kind of a, a quite a surprise for them that he's been playing really well. So, you know, I, I respect the Knicks for trying to make a move. Maybe they could have tried to acquire somebody else. I know they were in on Zach Levine with the Bulls, which by the way, the Bulls, I feel like they're another team that maybe could have blown up their situation like the Raptors, but they both stay put. Um, and the Knicks, yeah, I mean, they're a team. They're right now. They're like I said. They're seventh in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be a competitive team, and I think they're in a pretty good situation. So, you know, I respect them for trying to make a move. Maybe you could have done it for a different type of player, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I think another big winner here for the trade deadline, to be honest, is the play-in game and the play-in tournament. I think this shows that th- that has been a successful move to try to. Uh, mitigate the the amount of teams that are really trying to compete for the bottom. Um, because now yep. we see that these fringe teams that are around 10th, 11th, it's not a given that they're just going to be sellers now. Like we mentioned the Toronto yeah. Raptors, which even though it might've been a bad move on their part, still that was what they did. Uh, the Lakers are another team. Obviously having LeBron James will make you a contender or at least put you in that conversation of like, you have to contend every single year. But also I think that, if this was maybe a regular season where they there was no 10th uh, spot that could get you potentially into the playoffs, 
I'm not sure how how much uh, how many resources they would really want to trade away to get the players that they got. And I think th- this is making the world of a difference now. And I think this is why we're seeing so many second rounders included in trades to get them done. Also, is just the play in tournament and the fact that um, now you you're gonna see these these tenth teams, eleventh place teams, or even twelfth place teams who normally would be deemed as sellers. They might not be sellers and they might say, you know, something, let's make a run. We're not going to be picking with the first overall pick. So we might as well try to make some of our season. And I think that's really been a key difference that we're seeing with the play in tournament now. Yeah. And no, absolutely. I think you're correct in saying that. And, you know, there's a, I mean, obviously there's going to be teams that tank towards the bottom, but I definitely think there's some, you know, there's, some it incentivizes teams to be able to try to get into the postseason. I think it's a good, it's been a, a success so far. I didn't know how I felt about it at first, but I think it's, you know, starting to kind of grow on me a little bit. And, you know, it's making, like you said, like the teams, like the bulls and the Raptors, maybe not, maybe, you know, hesitating to kind of sell their assets, which again, I think I disagree with how they're approaching it, but I do respect it that they're trying to compete and maybe, getting into the postseason, So I do respect it on that end, but yeah, it's been, this was a, this honestly, like this was one of the craziest trade deadlines ever. I mean, we got Kyrie Irving in a move, Kevin Durant in a moves. I, you know, mentioned those stats of like how many players got moved. Again, if you didn't hear it, there was 54 players moved, eight first round picks moved, 44 second round picks, six current or former all-stars were moved and 28 teams were involved in a trade. Like, it was just, it was absurd, dude. Like my phone was just buzzing off Shams or, or Woj just tweeting a trade that happened. And it was just, it was rapid fire. I woke up the next day and I was like, holy crap, Kevin Durant just got moved. Like it happened at like two o'clock in the morning or some crap on the East coast. It was crazy. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. I think everybody just heard my cell phone going off. I haven't like connected <laughs> to my phone. So it, it like kind of sucks. I don't know how I get end into the if, if, any, if there's any like engineers or like highly intelligent people that listen to my podcast, which I, I kind of doubt, but if you're if you're out there, help help me out with that. Um, but yeah, I think this trade deadline was great. Um, we do gotta end it there, but I mean, yep. I think that this trade don- deadline definitely exceeded all expectations when we thought like the start a week before the trade deadline happened, there was really no no new developments. And then what do you know, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving says, Hey, I want to be traded. And then everything else fell in place. Yep. Just a ripple effects. I mean, you just, you saw the after effects of that and it was just crazy, crazy trade deadline. I don't remember another one that off the top of my head, that was as crazy as this one. And a guy like Kevin Durant does not get traded very often. We're talking about a top 15 player ever. So it's just crazy. But, um, yeah, I think that's it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. You can follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. Follow me on Twitter at BCar underscore 13. And you can follow Noah on Instagram at mburnt 37 Noah, have anything? No, this week, unfortunately, man, I got nothing. Uh, I will say, uh, yeah, just an advice to all those potential GMs out there. You know, second round picks make make a difference apparently, and uh, you know, don't don't get ten centers at once. That can't shoot a three ball. So, that's wow. my recommendations. That, hey, that's some words of wisdom. So make sure if you're a general manager out there listening, play some two K. See how it, how they do it on there, how their trade system works. Second round picks get the job done. So, but uh, yeah, that's it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket. And thank you guys so much, and we will see you guys next time. Peace.